Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the voice of your St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN is Chris Kerber. Kerbs, hope your weekend was good. How are you doing? Doing really well. It was it was a good one. So uh, we'll we'll have some fun today and this week, I think, and just keep plugging ahead. Is it weird for you? And I know that everything is weird, but here we are, <laughs> October twenty sixth. Is it weird for you to not have hockey at this time of year? Uh, it is really wild. Uh, it's but but you know what? I I, I choose just to take the uh, uh, the blessing side of it, Randy. And I mean. I've been able to be home while the kids are dealing with the virtual school learning, uh, and, you know, while Christy's back in the classroom too. So it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been one of those blessing in disguise things uh, and things that I normally am not able to do. Like we're actually knowing that we won't start until at least January 1st. And Bill Daly came out yesterday, to, you know, with the GMs and said, who knows what, I mean, they gave the GMs basically said that there are so many different options, too many to get through, but, uh, you know, sitting there and actually being able to plan some family time around some holidays that, that I've, I've never been able to do uh, really since college is, is unique. And I'm, we're just going to take advantage of it and, and take it in stride. That's the silver lining, Curbs. That's exactly the way to look at it. But you mentioned that you might not see, we might not see any hockey action until at least January. How much of these discussions, if not all of them, do you think are surrounded by, okay, when can we get fans in the stands? Because in reading and listening to some things about the financial viability of all sports, it really has me zeroing in on the NHL and just how crucial it is to get that fan revenue, that ticket revenue back into the fold. Look, it's crucial for every sport, uh, and and but the reality of it is, it comes down to the fact that much like it was important to get these seasons started, and we're watching a World Series, and you're watching NFL games, you watch the NHL, you watch the NBA, I mean NASCAR, all of these sports with with little to no fans in the stands. Uh, at, at some point, though, they may have to continue with that plan just to keep the product going. So. Um, you know, the, the trends with coronavirus are what they are. That, that's obviously the major driving force here. And, and it's going to be a, it, it's going to be quite a challenge. There's so many different scenarios that even when Bill Daly talked with the media yesterday, I believe it was, he, people were saying, well, yeah, we're still, he said, well, yeah, we're still eyeing January 1st in a full 82 game schedule. I just don't know how realistic that legitimately is. And he said as much in that. So, I still think they're looking from anything from a, a season that could be 48 games all the way up. I, my gut feels that it, it falls within a 58 to 62, 64 range, but I hope they're right. They can get more in. Uh, but you have to be thinking safety of the players, condensed schedule, TV contract. If the Olympics are, are, are done in, in July and, and NBC has TV contracts around that event as well. There's so many different factors here. And then another unique one that's good that, that they're talking about at the GM meetings, guys, is the fact that 
Like, what do you do with the seven teams that didn't return to play? So there's seven teams that basically have not been on the ice or been around each other since March 11th. And they're actually talking about, do you give those teams extended training camp time? I mean, the scenarios are off the charts. Curbs, I'm thinking about the elements of the Blues' power play with the addition of Krug. He joins either Pareko or Falk on that right side, and then you have O'Reilly, Perron, Schwartz up front with various and other sundry other uh, players up front. But the Blues had their best power play in a long time last year, at nearly 25%. I like the elements of this power play actually better than what the Blues had last year. And I, I kind of think we can go back to the 90s with McInnes and Pronger and Hull and that group to find the elements of a power play that are as solid as the elements of this one, have uh, th- that they have a chance to be. Yeah, that's going to be a fun aspect of this. Tori Krug is is going to help out that power play immensely. There's no doubt about that. Now, Mark Savard, who kind of was in charge of coaching that power play, he's not returning behind the bench. Jimmy Montgomery is the new assistant coach for the team, as we all know. But you're right. The the fact that they have the options, David Perron playing out at that point is always good. The question for me is still going to come down to this. The structure that they put it up. Vladimir Tarasenko likes to be on that left side. Like the Blues, even as good as the power play was through the regular season last year, they really never seemed to be much of a one-timer threat. Their best one-timer threat was Alex Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. We know that scenario now. If like at some point in time, at some point in time, I would love to see them say, "I don't care what has to happen, but for, I don't care if we go over the first thirty on the power play." The puck goes to Pareko for a one-timer, and he lets it rip. Put that big guy where he can fire it. Somebody get him a puck where he could pass it, and I don't care about the egos or whatever else is going on. If Vladimir Tarasenko insists on playing on the left side, it's just not good enough over there. It takes too much time uh, you know, to get the puck across his body. There were just issues of mixing the left and the right-handed shot when you do things like that. So the addition of Krug and their ability, if they can get to a shooting one-timer mentality, is going to keep that thing rolling. And again, it was, I mean, it was good enough. And they had two power play units at a time when they were clicking. Holy smokes, does it change the game? Curbs, speaking of Petro not being with the team anymore, we've had a lot of talks about who might wear the C in Petro's absence. And a lot of people, I think, have zeroed in on Ryan O'Reilly. And, you know, I just want to have you tell us and the listeners what kind of a leader Ryan O'Reilly is. It seems like a lot of people talk about how he leads by example, how he's such a hard worker, and that tends to rub off on his teammates. But do you think if he wears the C that that's something that he'll have to change a little bit? Will he have to be more vocal? Just if you could explain how he's a leader and how that might change or if it will at all if he's the captain i don't think it will i it, it it's an interesting question from that because sometimes it does happen if, if you put that letter on on somebody and but i just think that look this the leadership by committee aspect of this hockey team is, is what's been one of the strengths so again to me the only problem with the 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 captain is when you put it on the wrong person. And I don't think that's possible here in this scenario. When you look at the way Ryan O'Reilly handled things from his first couple practices on the ice and being on the ice long after practice with, with the young players. And you look at the number of young guys that have stayed on the ice and done Ryan O'Reilly drills. They're not just staying on the ice to kill time. I mean, Ryan is just at times running his own drills, you know, and, and there's specific skill related drills. The one where he, 
works to get to his backhand and then roof it, and he scores goals that way. I mean, that's the that to me is the leading by example you're referring to, Michelle. I, I think in the room, you've got such a strong base here still of, of plenty of guys that uh, the liaison, the respect that Ryan O'Reilly has, his ability to communicate to Craig Berube, which is a critical part of that role, is, is really important. And look, and, and in the end, too, I've said this, and it is fun to talk about. If, if it's not Ryan O'Reilly, who seems to be an obvious choice, you know, I, I think in, in Colton Pareko and Braden Shen, you've got two other really good options. Colton Pareko was one of the players, you know, that, that was basically the player's rep, uh, jumping into all the PA meetings and things and then letting his teammates know what was going on on the return-to-play scenario. So, again, it's not going to all have to come down on one guy. But I think where he is at in his career, his attitude, where things have been, what he's gone through, and then to do what he's done the last couple of years, I mean, Ryan becomes the very obvious choice. Curbs, one more thing before we let you go. Mark Lazarus has a good piece up at The Athletic about Taves and Kane and the Blackhawks. And I don't know about you, but that that situation where they're rebuilding and Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook aren't happy about it, I cry myself to sleep at night uh, <laughs> because I, I feel so bad for the Blackhawks and those guys. Uh, yeah, doesn't it just make you miserable? I mean, you, you get up in the morning like, oh, man, what are those guys going to do? <laughs> You know, right, yeah. I mean, how are they, how are they going to survive? I will tell you though. Right. And like, no, no sorrow, especially with the quips of Jonathan Taves whatsoever. Let's hope they wallow in misery for another three years. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, it will be interesting to see which one of those dominoes falls. I mean, at some point in time, if they are in a rebuild, one of those guys becomes a chip that puts you in there. I, I just don't see them having Taves, Kane, Keith, and Seabrook playing out those contracts at all. I mean, I I think the one that has the best chance uh, is 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 Patrick Kane to me. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I almost I'd almost like I'd be willing to put the prop bet that Jonathan Taves is one of the guys moved. I would not be surprised. I I kind of think if I were to guess, I would think that either they buy out Seabrook or he comes up with a skin condition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, so you're saying he's traveled to visit Marion Hosa. Exactly. Ah, yeah. You know what? I like the way you're thinking. I think this is definitely one horse we should keep kicking while they're down. <laughs> you bet. Curbs, have a great day. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. That was an awesome way to start the week, Randy. Well done. <laughs> Glad you, you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see you later. By the way, this week we've got hockey coverage for you. This week in hockey coming up Thursday night with Joey Vitale and Alex Ferrario. Always good to have those guys with us on 101 ESPN talking blues hockey throughout the year here on your home of the blues, 101 ESPN. Next up, the fight is coming your way with Carriker and Smallman.